0: on this edition of flying high the philly fan perspective i have my first ever special guest interviewee ryan hazy co-host of the podcast the fifth quarter we'll talk more about that but first send request play us in Welcome to a two for two. That's right. We were away for so long and now two episodes in two days. How can we not with all the moves that Elton Brand is putting on? Um, It's crazy. This team has changed a lot. It's still the same, but we're looking a lot more like a competitive team that can make a run. In the playoffs, So we had to have two episodes in a row. Unfortunately, Justin was away again today, so he was not able to co-host the show. But I was joined by a special guest, and I have an interview with my buddy Ryan Hazy. We went to Temple together. Um, he's a co-host and business development at the Fifth Quarter Podcast. It's an awesome Sixers podcast. Make sure you go and check it out at The Fifth Q on Twitter. Um, you can follow Ryan at PQ underscore Hazy on Twitter as well and find the fifth quarter in your iTunes podcast or any other streaming podcast. Uh, Hit the subscribe for them and then hit the subscribe for us and then go to your social media and follow at the fifth Q and follow at flying high pod. So I don't have Justin here today, unfortunately, and I miss him a lot. He's forever co-host. So just know this is an interview. Justin's my co-host. But right now I kind of feel like A kid who went out hiking and got lost and Justin really wants to come save me and and make make everything okay, but he's also off fighting uh, monsters and saving the world, okay? So just so you know, Justin is, uh, he does so much for this podcast. Uh, He sets up a lot of the notes, a lot of the talking points throughout the week so we have something to work, so we have a structure to this podcast and his insight is, uh, it's, Second to none. I don't know exactly what the saying is, but it's invaluable. But he's also a teacher, he's a coach, a husband, and a father for the toughest jobs, but for the most meaningful jobs. And I just want to extend a thank you to Justin. I know he feels bad for missing these past few podcasts, but not only does he contribute to Philadelphia and Philadelphia sports, he's making the world a better place by making an impact on uh, young students and young athletes on his swim team, all while being an excellent husband and a terrific father. Um, The hardest job in the world, and he's killing it. So thank you for everything you do for the podcast, Justin, and I know you'll be back next week. But for now, here we are, the fifth quarter, Ryan Hazy, talking Sixers. All right, so I am now joined live via Skype by my friend, Ryan Hazy. What's up, Ryan? How you doing, man? It's it's good to have you on here. Uh, just some background information: Hazi's a fellow Owl, Temple maid. We we're in this uh, in the same classes for a while. There, we knew our friend Colin in in a fraternity. That's how we got to know each other. But. Hazi Hazy was in the same uh, industry as I am, and he actually works for another podcast, a Sixers podcast called The Fifth Quarter, doing business development and co-hosting that show. Uh, make sure you go over to The Fifth Quarter at The Fifth Q, and that's P-H, just like R-P-H. It's PH I F T H The Fifth Q. Go check them out. He also works in business, de- business development at Switchboard Live, which is um, it gives brands and live content creators the power to multi-stream across the most popular social media channels. So, just, what have you been up to, man?
1: Yes, yeah, so, I mean, thank you for the intro. Um, pretty much, uh, you know, I've been in Philly for a few months now, and uh, working at Switchboard is very, very entertaining. Uh, it's pretty, pretty much like live streaming content. Um, you know, we actually are we're partners with the Eagles, the Flyers, the Sixers, so it's some pretty cool stuff. But, I mean, what, what I'm passionate about, obviously, you know, is uh, the fifth quarter and actually making that content. Um, so, I mean, it's been a pretty fun, filled last 48 hours uh, in Philly sports, whether it's the Phillies or the Sixers. So, um, I'm very excited to be in this city right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, man, I, I miss it there. It's especially like during that Eagles run and now with all this stuff going on. Oh, for sure. like, I can only imagine how the city was just so energized as they made that late push. Missing that, that's for certain. But for um, sure. <laughs> so anyways, fifth quarter, make sure you go check it out. And that's why I brought Hazi on here today. We're talking sixers. It was just a whirlwind of a two days. Um, I did the podcast last night going over the Tobias Harris trade, and we'll touch more on that and talk about the impact that that makes this year and going forward. But first off, uh, to some people, it's a huge load off their shoulders, and we mm. can now we can now breathe easily. But to others, there's always going to be that wonder of what could have been. He's gone. Markel Fultz is gone. We have rid ourselves of all the stress and mental just turmoil that came along with Markel. What are your first thoughts when you hear that we've traded Markel Fultz for a bench player and two picks that may or may not turn out to be anything?
1: I guess my first thoughts is that we're incomplete. Um, You know, we, we got a guy first overall who had all this firepower coming out of Washington uh, Brian Calangelo made that move up uh, to get that first all, overall pick. And, you know, the spotlight was on folks from day one. And uh, it looked great. Summer league looked great. His shoulder looked fine. Then um, somewhere in between, we all know the all the story And ending there, is something happened in his shoulder. Uh, whether it's muscle memory loss, nerve damage, or whatever, something happened. So um, we gave this guy two years to come back. We gave him plenty of time, plenty of opportunities. Um, And at the end of the day, uh, we're in this wing now mentality. Uh, So I do believe it was the right decision. Yes, it's sad. Yes, it's upsetting. Um, There's that incomplete aspect to it of what could have been. Uh, But at the end of the day, you're trying to win a championship. And if Markel Fulks is only sitting on the sideline cheering and being a fan, uh, why not trade him for some assets? So like you said, the first round second round pick, whether that works or not, Uh, We get a guy in Jonathan Simmons who is a great athletic defensive guard uh, for the Magic who can fill in at the 7th or 8th spot in the lineup and can be a really good asset to go forward in the playoff run.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned uh, that Simmons is a, a great defensive asset. And right now, the Sixers added a lot of firepower on the offensive end with Tobias Harris. Now they're averaging 18 points a game per starter across the board. But where, there's, where they've been lacking and where they've been losing these big games against the, the bigger teams who have star players, they, they're struggling with the defense. Do you think a guy like Simmons or like a James Ennis comes in a lengthy body, just somebody that can add depth on the defense and have a deeper bench in that sense?
1: Yeah, I mean, when you look at guys that we had, I mean, we had Shammett, we had Muscala. Um, you know, they were great offensively, but at times lacked on defense. Um, Shamus, a hell of a player, a hell of a rookie, but there are times where he could just get abused down low. Muscala clearly had issues on defense. He had that beautiful block in the Warriors game, um, but that's pretty much the only block I saw all year from him. So, yes, yeah, Simmons, Ennis uh, are going to be really good dual threats. Uh, they're what you look for in a playoff team. And not to go off topic, but yeah. what I see right now uh, with the lineup we have accumulating here is a very much like Warriors lineup where you have a bunch of high-powered offensive guys starting, but then you have your key Livingston, Iguodala defensive players that we just inquired uh, that can really put us up to that Eastern Conference Finals representation uh, and maybe even the NBA Finals.
0: No, I absolutely agree with that, actually. Yesterday, when this all went down, the way I saw it with that first Tobias Harris trade was that... You get a 7'3 backup center who can just stand in the paint and put his arms up, and he's going to be a roadblock that's difficult right. to get to the rim. And then what you get from Mike Scott, I don't know, but he's enough size, and he's someone off the bench that can be a defensive presence. I was still feeling that we were lacking in that depth, and the move with the Raptors didn't seem like anything, and we waived that guy anyways. But today, when these two when these two moves are announced, I now am feeling much more confident in that bench to be able to produce solid minutes when the big guys need to go out and take a little breather.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, uh, I yeah I didn't mention the uh, the Clippers trick. Yeah, Boban will be <laughs> but hopefully he stays hopefully he stays hydrated. They need to give him some <laughs> extra uh, Gatorade. But uh, you know, if he can go out there and put up 15 minutes, 20 minutes uh, of just. Full down, lockdown on defense to help him beat out. That'd be beautiful. I would love to see that standing dunk that he's got in his arsenal. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool to see. Um, and then yeah, Mike Scott. You know, for me, um, you know, I only knew Mike Scott from NBA Two K Twelve. I thought he was a my player, but apparently he's still in the league. Um, and by his post game, by his press conference today, you knew he was in the league because he was cursing a lot in his. Uh, Press conference. I don't know if you watched that, but he has no filter. Um, I like it. I like it. He kind of yeah. He fill in for Wilson Chandler. So um, you know, I'm really excited. I I really like the moves that we did. All props to Elton Brand uh, for getting us in the right direction. And I mean, you look around, right? You look at what we did. It it now triggered the Raptors and the Bucks to go out and make moves today. Um, So we're gonna have a really fun. Uh, down the road stretch here going to the playoffs and then these semifinal and conference finals games, you know, you could take anybody. You can make a case for the Celtics. You can make a case for the Bucks, Raptors and Sixers. So it's great to see that there is parody back in the Eastern conference.
0: Oh, It's excellent. And it's, it's nice to just watch, you know, King James go out to the West coast and watch that Western conference I mean, I guess it's still strong, but it definitely feels like the East is where it's at. The East is beast. It's the young players. It's the young stars. And aside from Golden State, the West is kind of on the outs right now.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, that's the thing. It, people for the last few years were saying, ah, oh, the East is a joke, which I, I will agree with to some extent. Um, anybody below the next, res- you got to respect the next now, but anybody below the next are, are really bad teams. Um, excuse me. Um, but the top four. And then uh, let's say Oladipo didn't get hurt, you you have five excellent teams. Oh yeah. Um, and you look at their records, and you know the Sixers, if I do recall, have maybe the fourth or fe- fourth or fifth best record in the the league right now. So um, yeah, the Eastern Conference is definitely on the upswing.
0: Yeah, and before we go on to talking about some of the other trades, I just want to go back to Markel for one second, sure, and and kind of get your take. When it first happened, what were your thoughts when they first draft Markel Foltz first overall?
1: Oh, when they drafted him?
0: Yeah, back back oh, when there was still yeah. promise. So, like, What were your thoughts in that draft and, and in moving up to get him?
1: I think we, I've, I've talked to Colin about this. I was all Jason Tatum. Uh, I said this before. I don't know when we were going to get – see we are going to get in the draft. I wanted Jason Tatum. He was an NBA-ready player. Back to the direction we needed at the time to go off Ben Simmons and Embiid. So when we moved up, I was a little hesitant. I was like, you know what? You know, we're going to get Markel Fulks, and this could be really fun. He's athletic. But at the end of the day, I looked at a guy that went from Duke, who was coached by Coach Krzyzewski and in a really hard ACC conference, and I thought we should have gone the Jason Tatum route. So I never was really high on folks. I my reaction was what, whatever. Like I just was like, all right, awesome. He can be a threat for shoot from shooting uh, threes and driving to the paint. But it turns out that was absolutely not the case. <laughs> he
0: couldn't couldn't do any of that. He couldn't even get his head straight to stay on the floor. I was the same way. You know, big Tatum fan. I, I loved what he was doing at Duke, and more importantly, the fact that they could have sat back at their third pick and still gotten. Tatum, instead of you know, moving up, I don't know why you moved up to get him, but it was kind of a train wreck. And this was it, t- today, was today, was Elton Brand taking the team and saying, You know what, this is my team now, I'm getting rid of all the doubts getting rid of all the trouble that went on with the Colangelo era. I think, I mean, last season when when the whole Colangelo burner account thing went down and it was just, it was exotic and it felt weird and there was no stability in the front office. And today I think Elton put his fist down and said, I'm here and we're here.
1: I agree. I'm very excited to see, you know, what can happen next. And uh, I'm really excited to see this game tomorrow night. I think the yeah, I was looking at tickets, you know, I was looking at tickets to go possibly. And I looked, I think, on Monday, and I think the lowest price is like, you know, 50 bucks or whatever. I was like, all right, let me just check back Thursday. Now the price went up to like 90 a pop. I'm like, I can't afford that right now. But um, I guess that is the only one downside to it, unless you get credentials. I mean, it's going to be so expensive to go to these games.
0: Oh, my God, yeah. Let's just say the days of $15 seats for 15 throws off $8? the court.
1: Eight dollars. You can <laughs> go up go up top and then you just move right down and nobody cares.
0: back in back in my freshman year of college before I even went to Temple, my, my first semester, I went to see Sixers Celtics when the Celtics were also absolute garbage. 15, oh. 15 bucks for fifteen rows off the court. Like <laughs> those That's days. Awesome. Those days are long, long gone, and I'm willing to sacrifice that for a team that is one of the top teams in the league. So now I want to, you know, backtrack to yesterday sure. and the whole Tobias Harris trade and really break that down. So overall, we received Harris, who is a budding star. We got Boban, who's seven foot three, and Mike Scott, like we talked about, that power forward. And you were talking about how we lost Shamit, Chandler, Muscala, and then uh, four draft picks. When you heard about this trade when you first wake up, I know it happened at like two in the morning. So I woke up <laughs> I woke up and saw this and wasn't sure how I felt. How are you feeling when you first see this uh, blockbuster-esque trade go down?
1: So first off, props to one of our guys, Joe Wiktowski. He was some, for some odd reason, he was still up. <laughs> uh, and he covered that the whole morning and got an article out for us and props to them because it wasn't for him being up. We wouldn't be behind schedule. So, um... But as far as my reaction, I got up, took a shower, had no idea what was going on. Checked my Twitter, I had 136 notifications for, fi- for fifth quarter. And I was like, what in the hell is going on? Like, who- What's going on? And obviously I check and see what happened. And uh, I was happy, you know, I was not expecting that. And I've got to be completely honest with you, Tobias Harris is not somebody I've studied or watched highlights of um, until today. Um, but obviously, I know what he can do. I know that he's bounced around teams. But what I also think is important two things. One, he's scoring 21 points per game this season. Two, his usage rate is one of the lowest in the NBA. So to me, that's telling me this dude's putting up 21 points per game, yet he's not getting used that much. What are the possibilities with him on the Sixers and Ben Simmons? I think those two are going to work so well off each other. Ben can drive tobias can set the pick and he can hit threes and tobias is shooting i believe almost 39 percent from three this season uh which is one of the best of his career so you know i'm looking at that three ball gonna be a huge dual threat going forward and uh, i think this this uh addition to the puzzle um is almost completing that
0: yeah so he's, he's having an absolute career year um Actually shooting 43% from three-pointer. Oh, 43? Three yeah, he's over. Oh my gosh. He's over 40% from three. He's shooting 49 and change from the field. 87% from uh, the free throw line. And a stat that I saw that I really liked. Let me see. I have it down here somewhere. It was. It's. Uh, oh. So he is shooting 40. Where the hell? I'll find it down here. But he's got an insane stat where like 48% of his three-pointers that he takes off the dribble, he makes 48% of those. So yep. that, he can create it. Like Ben can give him those opportunities, but he's also a fourth player that can just create his own shot out of nothing.
1: Yeah, I agree. And it's ironic because on Tuesday night, he put up 34 points and had a game winner down in Charlotte. Actually, I guess kind of near your state right now. Um, so it's really cool to see what he can do. And something that is not talked about is his, his ability to assist. His vision is very persistent. Um, he's this month, he's put up five assists per game. And, um, you know, I just think that we finally have a guy, you know, Jimmy Butler is that guy, right? He can take you one-on-one, but you've kind of seen him being hesitant lately. Tobias is just a guy who that's all he can think about is going one-on-one attacking the rim. Um, and just being able to get through at anybody, anybody in his way. So that is a piece of the puzzle that we needed. Um, and having that power four at what the JJ, uh, shooting those three, I don't know how you can stop this starting lineup. So do
0: you think that, uh, that starting five now, uh, bouncing back and forth a little bit, but that starting five now, even with JJ in there and I love JJ more than anybody. I was like a diehard Duke fan back when he was at Duke. I was a little kid who loved watching him. Um, but we all know that he's a defensive liability on the floor. Do you think that a six-eight, six-nine stretch forward uh, comes in and kind of fills that hole that J.J.'s left wide open on that defense?
1: Yeah, I, I do think so, right? I mean, our fourth guy is Wilson Chandler, who uh, can make one defensive play every game. But, no, he could, you could definitely tell you, the dude can't move. The Duke can't move at all. So with Harrison, they're able to help Reddick will be huge. But I will say this about Redick. He has improved every single year at defense. I think people don't give him credit. Um, You know, if you watch the eye test to me tells it, you know, it may not look pretty at times, but I think he does a hell of a job on defense when he gets posted up. I think he's doing tremendous job.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's strange how it's just been those big guards big name guards who have been coming in and lighting up the team. So they need somebody to try and put an end to that. Um, in regards to Bovon now, yeah. really what you have in trading him for Muscala, you're you're adding four inches right off the bat. So you go, I mean, six is tall, but 7'3 is an absolute monster.
1: <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. It's like the and, great colleague in <laughs>
0: <laughs> and he's yeah exactly, and he's like a lengthy seven three like it, when you look at him, you're just like that guy's like seven six, he looks massive, but at the same time, he's an efficient massive player, so when he was down uh Last season, actually, he was incredibly efficient. In only eight minutes of game action, he was uh, racking in four rebounds. So that's like a rebound every two minutes. But this season, Mm -hmm. um, he's averaging uh, four rebounds in 10 minutes, which is still pretty efficient. And I guess you figure seven foot three, you're going to get rebounds. But uh, in comparison to Muscala, who had 22 minutes per game and four rebounds, you're just getting some some, you know, a solid big guy in there who can pull in the boards and stop. Stop the drives to the lane, and then on top of that, he was putting up about seven points per game in ten minutes. So if you figure that he's going to be getting probably what you think fifteen to twenty minutes a game now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say
1: we'll probably start him at fifteen to see how his body does. If his body's fine with it, increase him to twenty. But I would probably say fifteen for now.
0: So if he can put up, you know, three quarters of that production in fifteen minutes in relief for who very well could be an MVP candidate in the league, that automatically makes you more dangerous.
1: Yeah, I thought that that was a piece to everything that we needed that nobody really was talking about. Everybody was talking about how we need a shooter, Wesley Matthews, Ellington, whatever. But I think Embiid needed that help. That's why I was really hoping that DeAndre Jordan got bought out and we could have snagged him. Um, Somebody's got to be there to help Embiid. I mean, think about it. Who have we actually had as a real backup center when Embiid's been here? Nobody. I mean, you had Amir Johnson who can't freaking move. <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know what he's doing. Um, and we had Nurling's Noel for like maybe two months. Oh, God. And they didn't play Okafor. So we have never actually had a true center to help him beat out, which most teams do. Um, Al Horvick had Baines, um, yep. uh, you know, Valanchunas had a backup, uh, you know, and, 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 uh, um, Brooke Lopez has a great backup. So, we need somebody like that to come in, and that's what Boban can do for us.
0: Yeah, man, you just uh, kind of sent me on a on a flashback that didn't feel good thinking about Nerlens Noel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Job, he, I man.
1: mean, he's doing well. I have props to Nerlens. He's doing well right now.
0: Good for him. Just all parts of the process that brought us here, and oh, Jesus, what a process it's been. But for so long, we were depending on getting draft picks just Accumulate draft picks, accumulate them. And now in this trade, we give away four draft picks. Now, the I, in my opinion, that those uh, 2021 and 2023 second-round picks, uh, what are you really getting in a second-round pick? It's nothing really equivalent to any of the players that we just got in the trade. Maybe you get a solid bench player, but in all reality, with – the type of starters we have, will be able to fill in those holes. So I don't think those picks are too big of a loss. Now they're probably going to lose the next year's first round draft pick. It was a protected pick. So if it's a lottery pick, they get to keep it, but the Sixers aren't a lottery team this year. So they're going to lose that first round pick. And additionally, they're going to lose the 2021 pick that they got in the Mikel bridges deal. Do you think that is kind of giving away too much for what we received?
1: No, because if you look at it, look what the Warriors are doing. They, their mind says nothing about picks at this point. If we are going to be this noble team that we just decided to acquire and we signed Butler and we signed um, – hey, uh, what, what's his name? I'm going Tobias, <laughs> Tobias Harris. Uh, we signed them long-term. We got four guys signed long-term, right? And what – we don't need picks at this point. That shouldn't be what we're thinking about. And uh, we should be good for the next four to five years. So picks should not be an issue. That's why we acquired all these picks. Uh, that's why we did all this to get to this point. So that was the whole point, giving away all these picks eventually. And it just so happened to be at this year's trade deadline. So, um, you know, that is a risk that Elton Brand is taking, but I would say it's a qualified risk because um, it should be showing us in the correct direction going forward. Um, yes, that Bridges Craig, did look bad at the time, but actually ended up, ended up helping us get – this trade today so it all worked out
0: yeah man patience is a virtue because when that first happened I was absolutely furious but I guess you just got to sit back and wait and hope that Zaire comes back to at some point this year I, I you don't hear much about him do you have any any insight on that
1: uh no I just know that he's they actually he was supposed to play with the Blue Cokes um today but they decide okay. not to to they decide to rest him uh and he won't be playing for another week uh, so I really don't know too much on him. Um, all I know is, is when he comes back, that's will be a hitting, hitting asset that we do have. And I'm hoping that he can get back to the form that we did think that he could play at. I know we lost a lot of weight, but I know he's been back in the gym uh, working out and um, he's got a good athletic presence to him. And he'd be really great to have play, you know, maybe 15 minutes off the bench as a slasher um, on that second unit.
0: No doubt. And if he could get a, if he could come back in time to have a, you know, a solid few weeks of reps in the regular season, he could be a, a game changer come playoff time.
1: For sure. I, I think that he'd be a huge asset. But I, I got a question for you actually kind of turn on you. I mean, we, oh, we look oh around, <laughs> we look we look around now. Right. We look at this Eastern Conference. We look at these teams. We saw what people people acquired today. Um, where you stand now? I mean, who do you think the front runner is? Uh, what do you think is going to happen going forward with these four great teams?
0: Dude, you you beat me to it. I had that listed on here. <laughs> um, so right now, the, the team that I fear the most and I use fear lightly because I think we stand up to every team in this league. The thing that scares me is the Bucks right now because I look at a guy like Giannis and that he is just an ad, like he is a freak. He's got the nickname Greek freak and there's a reason he's a freak. I was just looking at his physique the other day and like people just aren't built like that. And then to be able to handle the ball and create his own shot, it's scary. So I'm a little worried about that and then they get Miritich, which is an added piece, but I just think in general the Bucks have been the most consistent team all year and they they feel like they have that magic and they're clicking. Now a team like Toronto is a team that I feel is pesky. So every time we play them we should beat them, but we don't. And I think Harris and this new bench kind of pushes us past them. And I you know I I like Marcus Saul, but I don't know if he's going to be that big of a difference maker for that Toronto team. I still think they uh, rely around Kawhi a lot, so it's going to come down to that. And then you got the Celtics who I mean I they're clicking right now, they're they're looking good. But at the same time, if we can click with these four players, I think that's really what it comes down to is how do these four the the new fearsome four of the Sixers how do they work together? How does the chemistry work? Because there's been, uh, you know, some uh, the feeling out process with Butler, and it feels like they still haven't figured out how to spread the wealth between Simmons and Bede and Butler. So when you throw a fourth player in there who's been averaging, you know, 21 a night, how do you spread the love? If they can figure that out, I think the Sixers are one, and if not one, they're two just behind the box.
1: I agree. And uh, as as we're talking, I actually got an update on my phone uh, from uh, Keith Pompey. Um, the Sacramento Kings just signed Corey Brewer to a 10-day contract, so we're not getting him back. So I, I know that was off topic, but uh, no, as you were thanks. talking, that was just announced. <laughs> Breaking news. Yeah, <laughs> right. you can break it. You can break well, it.
0: We We are so glad now, I guess, that... I mean, he was a great little bench piece right there, but... We have we're long past the you know that era where we loved Corey Brewer.
1: <laughs> hey, we 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 uh we gave away a jersey like um I think a couple weeks ago when he had his big game against Houston and we we're like, "No, why don't we just give away a Corey Brewer jersey?" There was one jersey that we found online um and they took it off the like the next day. So luckily we found the picture of it. But then when we gave away the 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 jersey, they took him offline completely. So we had to customize a jersey for the guy (laughs) who won
0: it it's one of a kind that's worth something in philly it is it is never never forget those what 20 days or so whatever he was on the team it was beautiful it was he he gave us you know that kind of hope that pushed us to this trade deadline and then we just got socked in the face by elton brandon magic
1: (laughs) pretty much pretty much
0: literal magic yeah because i was i was looking at these moves that were going on around the league and um I guess at this point, can we say that the Pacers are, you know, out of the running? I know they signed Wesley Matthews today, but that's not going to fill in um, Oladipo's productivity.
1: Yeah, no, they're they're definitely out of the race. But they're a really good regular season team, so I wouldn't be surprised if um, somehow they kind of stuck around here and threatened the Celtics and the Sixers for like a a four spot. Um, but no, nah, I mean when when playoff time to, when playoff time comes, um, they're no threat to anybody. <laughs>
0: So, you know, it's, let's fast forward. It's a week till the playoffs or whatever. Where do you see the Eastern Conference? Who do you see in first place going into the, into the playoffs?
1: Sure. I mean, I think the Bucks outright are the best team in the Eastern Conference. It's pretty, it's pretty scary what they're doing. To uh, be honest, uh, the performance they put up last night, their shooting percentage from three, I think it was like 20 of 28, I think. And that's just crazy to think about. Um, so, yeah, they'll get the first seed overall. Um, then I do believe the Raptors can uh, get the second seed with their addition of Marc Gasol. Um The Celtics get three. I think the Celtics are just primed to start playing some ball. I won't be surprised if the Celtics catch up to the Raptors somehow. Um, and I believe we get the fourth seed. That's um, not, not, it's not me saying that they're they're worse than those three teams, but, again, it takes time to accumulate the players we got. There will be a 10-15 to 15 game trial period where – I'm sure it will struggle, and there's going to be ups and downs. So, uh, you know, we really should be focusing towards that playoff playoff time, that first series. So, yeah, I think we get the 4C, and then we end up facing the Bucks second round, and uh, hopefully we go from there and beat them. So um, I really don't want to play the Raptors. I don't think we match up with them at all. Same with the Celtics. I think they will just give us hell. So to be honest, I know the Bucks are probably the best team, but I think we match up on paper best with them if we face them in the second round.
0: Yeah, I think I absolutely agree with you that for the rest of the season, it's safe to say we'll win enough games to secure one of those top four spots. So it's really a transitioning period where they need to build that chemistry. They need to figure it out so that you come running into the playoffs hot like they did last year. And uh, I think the team's far better than it was last year, but they need to build that kind of chemistry that they had where they're clicking winning 17 in a row or whatever it was going into the playoffs.
1: Right. I mean, it, they did get lucky last year; they had a really easy schedule, and um, that's kind of what happened. Uh, now, now we can talk about that, though, right? Because right now they're through a gauntlet; they're going through hell, fire, and brimstone right now. I mean, with their schedule, and uh, I did look—the second half of March and April is really easy. They they only have one road game, against it's above five hundred opponent. And that's the Bucks. So um, I think they can start accumulating some games going forward. Um, but like I said, I, I just believe this East is so. So tough, um, the Raptors and the Bucks are built for regular season success. They just are. Uh, but when the playoffs strike, I fully expect a Sixers-Celtics-Eastern Conference Finals. And for me, I said back in October that the Celtics will get to the finals. I, I said that. I truly believe it. And unfortunately, um, I kind of got to stick by it, right? I got to stick by mm-hmm. what I said. Uh, I don't take my things back that I said. But, you know, I do expect C- Celtics-Sixers-Conference Finals. I really do.
0: And, you know, that's an honorable move for you as, you know, host of a Philadelphia podcast and as a hey. loyal Philadelphian to just tell it how it is and not be blindly biased towards your team.
1: Listen, that's what I do. I, I'm, I'm kind of like the honest, the honest, realist guy on the show. Um, I don't know if you're a Flyers fan, but I get on them a lot. I get on <laughs> the organization all the time. That's my shtick. I know they won eight in a row, but I think they're one of the worst wrong organizations of all time. So I'll stick by that word too.
0: Hey, my, my normal co-host Justin, he couldn't be here tonight, but he's a diehard Flyers fan, so I'll have to get his take on <laughs> that.
1: It? Yeah, I don't <laughs> got a problem with the fans of the players. The organization just crap and they're no, he, people... he,
0: he yeah. absolutely agrees with that and he's he's always talking about how it's just a culture that's not built to win. And you know, he's he he put out an article today actually, Justin, if you're listening. Great article today about uh, how they just need to ride with this youth on the Flyers. But we'll we'll talk about other Philadelphia sports stuff in a minute. I want to finish up on the Sixers real sure. quick. Um, I did see one player. I don't uh, I don't know if you had seen this. The Kings bought out Ben Mclemore, who was right. uh, he? He was a former seventh overall pick. Is that a guy that you look towards picking up as one more piece to this bench? And I don't know if you look at him like a Fultz player where he was a top draft pick, but he's just a bust, or is there a chance to give someone um, like that?
1: I look at him as a like Justin Anderson that we had last year. Yeah. If we did get him, I mean, he's a really good uh, threat for de- defense. will get in your face. Um, he's athletic. Kind of like a Jonathan Simmons, but Jonathan Simmons has more offensive upside. So I mean, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be thrilled if we got him. I wouldn't be pissed if we got him. It would just be like, all right, we got this guy. So I really don't have really an opinion on him. And then
0: uh, just one more question about this year. I know we have a uh, Bo Bond now. That's your backup center. Do you still see Jonah Bolden playing a role on this team?
1: Yeah, I'm glad we brought him up. Of course, I think uh, he'll be a key asset um, going forward. Uh, the mix he can provide uh, when people get in foul trouble. Uh, He can block every shot that you put in front of him. Uh, He can hit the threes. I think he'll have a pivotal, pivotal role uh, going forward.
0: That's that's good to hear. And transitioning into going forward, this season's great. We now finally have a chance to really compete this season. But moving forward, you know, we have four superstar-esque players who are going to be demanding or asking for superstar-esque money. Do you think we can afford all four of these guys? I know that looking at it, Jimmy and Tobias are both unrestricted free agents after this season. So worst case scenario, we have sold a lot to rent two players for half a season. I don't see it ending that way, but they're both unrestricted free agents. So they're going to be pulling in a lot of cash after this season. And then uh, Ben Simmons, I think, is it next season? where he Mm -hmm. takes a huge kit. He takes like a 24 million hit on the cap as a restricted free agent. And then Joel is 27 million next year and 29 the next. So I saw somewhere that the 2021 cap could be uh, 130 million just for the four of them, which is already 12 million over the cap. Like how how do they keep all four of these guys? Can they do it with having the rest of the team?
1: Well, I mean, they could do it right. They could just do what the Warriors are doing. Like the, On paper, they can do everything that uh, you just said, uh, but is it the right decision? I mean, if you really think about it, I mean, Jimmy Butler is 29 years old. Uh, He says he wants to retire by the age of 35. Um, Whether you like it or not, you see some issues with him at times where it looks like he's not trying. Uh, Obviously, there's some locker room issues. Um, I'm trying to imagine him here at the age of 33 and wondering what kind of locker room presence he'll be. Um, and to have him for four years with the history that he has, I'm sure there's bound to be some issues with him. So to be honest with you, I don't know if you sign him. I really don't know. If he wants a max deal, I'm not trying to give that to him. Now, who I am trying to give that to is Tobias Harris. The guy's 26 years old. He's slowly increasing his production. He's averaging 21 points a game this year. He keeps going up. I'm giving that max deal to him. And for some odd reason, if they don't give it to all four of them, I'm riding with him big. extending Simmons and going with Harris and then building around that um like I said I I may be the outlier here on this Jimmy Butler thing but um there's just too many issues that I see to to give him a max deal now if he's willing to do a two or three year deal go for it but I'm not giving him a five-year max out on him I'm just not
0: uh you're not the outlier because I actually have the exact same opinion when when I first was looking at Tobias Harris and just some of his stats in his career, I actually I went over this last night a little bit, but I, I really saw a parallel between him and Jimmy Butler where they started out, you know, Jimmy Butler was scoring four points a game, eight points a game, and then 13, and then he reached that 20-point-a-game all-star level. Tobias Harris, first off, the kid's been through a lot. So he has some character. He was traded on draft day to Milwaukee. Never found a home in Milwaukee, averaging like five points in his first season. Then he was traded in the middle of his second season to Orlando, where he was averaging between 14 and 17 points a game, you know, finally finding a home. And then again, he's traded to Detroit, where he's averaging like 16. By the, by the end of his time in Detroit, it was 18. And then he goes to L.A. and he's averaging 19 and 20 a game. But he entered the NBA as a 19-year-old after one year of college. So all of this experience and building to become better, he's only two years behind in age when Jimmy Butler started becoming a productive player, and he is he's wise beyond his years, really, is is what I get out of it, because not only has he gone all around, the places that he was landing were not desirable whatsoever. Like his first spot is Milwaukee before the Giannis era, so that's just an absolute nightmare. Like they <laughs> They were awful. Then he goes to Orlando post-White Howard, and they were terrible. And then he goes to Detroit before Blake Griffin, and they were awful. So what he's doing, he was like the guy on the team everywhere he went. And he had to become that superstar. He had, he had the load of the team on his shoulders but it was on teams that weren't expected to win. So he was able to learn how to be an elite player without the pressure of playing on a team with other stars or in a city that was going to get on his back if he didn't succeed. So I think all of that really adds up to a player that's battle-tested, a player that's worked on his craft, and a player that's only 26 years old.
1: Yep, and I, you just nailed it right there. Uh, same opinion. Uh, this guy's been around the block for too long, and he's, this is his prime. This next three-year period for Harris is his prime. and you know, I want him to be a Sixer. His home is in Long Island. I mean, it's close to home. Um, this, to me, makes sense for him. And he was even saying in his press conference that he felt like these were home games for him because when he would come here, he would have friends and family come. Uh, the arena at the time wasn't packed. And he said every single year he kept coming back and back, and more people started coming to games. And he found a home away from home, he said, in Philadelphia. So... I think that's going to be a key person to acquire back and uh, kind of go around these three young pieces. You got Harris at 26. You got MB at 24. You got Ben Simmons at 22. Um, I think you should really prime your team around those three rather than Jimmy Butler at the age of 29 already, uh, who wants a five-year max, who says he's retiring at 35. Um, That just, to me, is a red flag, and I don't think you do it.
0: No, I absolutely agree. And for now, we're on this season, but looking forward, there's an absolute bright future. And I really like how you brought the fact that he's found a home because he's been traveled all around, never known what it felt like to have a home. Right. And for, for Philadelphia, not only is it close to his actual home, but he's the type of guy who doesn't have that Jimmy Butler ego. I think he's going to be able to mesh really well with all the other players and produce big numbers, but be more of a relaxed, quiet. I, I sense a sort of funny personality, but just nothing that's like overbearing. And Philadelphia is going to fall in love with him. And he's yep. going to know he found his home. He's what this city needed and we're what he needed. It's like the perfect partnership.
1: Exactly. I, I honestly think he's going to end up being my favorite player. Uh, I, once he starts playing I, I'm just upset. I haven't actually watched his game. Like, I really did not look at him. and Because he's out west, right? He's being small in the market. So I'm not going to take the time to watch his games. But um, it's just going to be nice to watch. And I'm really excited.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, the first thing I thought when I heard Tobias Harris, I remembered him from college only because of his headband. So immediately I was like, oh, it's that dude (laughs) with the headband. But I had no idea. And in case anybody's wondering, like, where age relevance comes in. He's 26 years old. you know who else is 26 years old? Carson Wentz. So if we're, oh building an, if we're building an entire franchise around Carson Wentz at 26 years old, I say, hey, let's do it with the Sixers as well, except we have those younger pieces as well. The future might be even brighter for the Sixers than it is for the Eagles.
1: Uh, yeah, that's probably a good. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, any way you look at it, I think the whole city – uh, with all four sports teams are looking pretty good right now. You get the Flyers, As much as I talk crap, the Flyers have won eight, eight straight games. you got Carter Hart playing really well, new coach, new mindset. You look at the Phillies. They just got a new catcher, the best catcher in baseball. Most likely we will go sign Bryce Harper. They're going to be in the playoffs this year. You look at the Eagles, they're going to be in the playoffs this year. And then you look at the Sixers, and they could go to the finals. So uh, if we were talking when we entered enter college, uh, we only had the Flyers to root for. The Flyers are the only team making the playoffs, so you know it's a really good time of being Philly, and um, I'm very happy to be here.
0: Yeah, man. We went through the process era, the Chip Kelly era. Uh, I don't know what you can call the Phillies era. It was just like the the downfall of that championship team, their breakup, and now building back up to it. So we have seen the lowest of lows, and it is just good to be back on top. and it's good to talk to you man it's good to be able to talk to a friend from philly and get that philly love going back you know
1: for sure man it's it's been good talking to you too and um you know uh whenever you're up here i'm calling and myself we gotta all get a drink and uh have some fun
0: ain't that the truth my guys it's been uh ryan hazy from the fifth quarter once again head over there on twitter at the fifth q uh Anything that you want to say?
1: Uh, no, no, we're just we're working hard with our content. Um, it's the deadline, so uh, it's a very popular time for us. And uh, our big time here is getting ready for the playoffs, getting some good content up. We're getting more writers every single day um, and just keep doing our podcast. And um, we're really happy to be in the situation we are with the Sixers playing well. So definitely give us a following. Uh, hope you enjoy our content.
0: Heck yeah. And if you want to follow Hazi himself, that's at PQ. Under, is that underscore? Is yeah. That what it's called? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at, I didn't know what it was called. It's like low dash underscore. <laughs> at PQ underscore Hazzy. That's H-A-A-S-E. He's always given us more information in addition to the fifth quarter, so it's good to see. You. And real quick before you go, Hazi, I want to ask you something because I put up a poll question for us here at uh, Flying High. And sure. I wanted to ask – you know, what do you think is the biggest impact out of this, these trade deadline deals? Do you think that it's landing Tobias? Do you think that it's finally getting rid of Markel? Or do you think that it's Boban and this bench that's now going to be a more solid defensive bench? Uh,
1: probably Tobias, just because um, this adds a whole new element to the team. And without getting Tobias, then the bench really wouldn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, so... That you, the fact that we got Tobias, now we can focus on the bench. So Tobias was was phase one. Adding a bench was phase two. And again, real Markel folks is phase three. So that's the way I look at it.
0: There you go. I would probably say landing Tobias was one. And Markel, I don't know. It just feels like we're finally free from just everything surrounding him. But it's a positive podcast. So we're going to forget that. <laughs> Thanks for your time, Markel. I hope it works out in Orlando. This has been Ryan Hazy. Thanks so much for joining, and I uh, hope to have you back. As it was not, you were the first ever guest on Flying High. Normally, it's oh just, yeah. Normally, it's just me and Justin, kind of giving our spiel. But it's good to hear from another perspective. The
1: fans. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm excited. I, I'd like to come back on. Then you're welcome to come on our show anytime you want.
0: Heck yeah. Also, I'm sorry. Before you go one more time, you guys are on the radio, right? Are you uh, still
1: on the radio deal? So we, so yeah, so we were actually we we're on Fox Sports 920, New Jersey. Um, we still do a show out of there every once in a while, um, but we decide to move locations. Um, so now we're actually doing out of a studio, it's 12, 10 a.m. Sports. Um, so we do a podcast out of there on Saturdays. Um, and then we do, um, we're going to get back to doing one on Tuesdays, uh, from there as well. So for now we're only on Saturdays, but we're going to get back to Tuesday and Saturdays.
0: So 12, 10, you can hear them. And on Apple, iTunes, Podcast, whatever the heck it's called, and all other podcasts, make sure you listen to The Fifth Quarter. Hazi, thanks so much. We'll be talking again soon.
1: Thank you very much. Well,
0: there you have it. That was my interview with Ryan Hazi, my buddy from Temple, and uh, co-host on the podcast The Fifth Quarter. Um, everything you need to know, 76ers, make sure you go over there on Twitter, at The Fifth Q. Follow them. And while you're at it, at Flying High Pod, follow us. When you're in iTunes, checking this out, make sure you go over to the Fifth Quarter, subscribe to them. Also, check them out on Saturdays on twelve ten. That's pretty cool. I used to listen to the Phillies on there. And also, if you want to check out uh, the the entire website for them, it's thefifthquarter.com. So that's just uh, it's like us, you know, Flying High. We use the PH because Phila Philly. They use the PH in the Fifth Quarter for the first F. So it's thefifthquarter.com. Make sure you go check him out. Follow Hazzy, too. He's always got good information at PQ hazy on Twitter. Once again, we're on Twitter, and today I put up a little poll. Wanted to see what everybody was thinking, and it is, which Sixers NBA trade deadline move do you think was the biggest? And we talked about this in, in the interview with Hazzy. He was saying, obviously, uh, Tobias is the biggest move, but I know a lot of people are feeling relieved that the whole faults issue is off. The table. So go on to flying high, at flying high pod, and answer that answer that little uh, little poll for me. Let me know what you're thinking right now. Tobias is um, leading, but I know there's a lot of Markel people out there so let me know what you're thinking use the hashtag fan perspective that's p h a n perspective give me your thoughts let me know what you want to hear next week we're going to be doing a a general philadelphia podcast and trying to also squeeze in that big eagles podcast the season recap so make sure you follow us on twitter and facebook at flying high pod also working on getting a little bit of an instagram up um in the next few weeks or whatnot. But thanks so much, Ryan, for coming on. Uh, Thank you to the fifth quarter for letting Ryan come on and and letting us spread the message of the fifth quarter. We've trusted the process. Now we're here. Let's hope we can get a championship. And uh, my last thing, now you know, uh, it's the segment where I tell you something you might not have known, and it's somber. It's very somber. But um, today uh, we learned of the passing of Frank Robinson, um, you know, former major league uh, Hall of Famer, he's a great player, uh, great manager. But most of all, he was a great person, uh, a barrier breaker in the league. He was the first black manager, and he died at age 83 today. So I remember a lot of Frank Robinson with the Nats. Um, thank you for your time, Frank. And uh, you know you changed baseball forever. So That's it for us right now on Flying High, the Philly fan perspective. Justin will be back. Next episode, like I said, thank you, Hazy. Thank you, Fifth Quarter. Go check them out at the Fifth Q. Send requests. Play us out. So tell me what I'm-